Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hey, Katie, how are you? I am doing okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, we're not in retrograde yet, but we're in the shadow of Mercury retrograde, and we are in eclipse season, and things are just really chaotic. I'm feeling super stressed out. It's funny, I had put off listening to Jessica Lignato's weekly um, horoscope podcast until like yesterday and I had been feeling really stressed out and her podcast basically said like you're gonna feel fucking stressed out this week and I was like oh I wish I had known this or had paid attention to this or listened to it sooner because that has been my entire week um yeah yeah it was definitely definitely a rough week and I was feeling it real hard yesterday um we're recording this um June 13th so we're not in retrograde yet but we should be in retrograde by the time this episode comes out Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And just, um, you know, I am very lucky and privileged to be working in an industry that involves home improvement and home decor. And because of that, you know, everybody's stuck at home. So that's what they're investing their money in right now. So I'm very privileged to be working in an industry where we are incredibly busy and so busy that we're hiring new people and everybody who's been working there is working overtime. But I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm stressed out, kids. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of feelings going on right now. Oh, and I also did want to apologize um, because I have been so stressed out with my personal life. Um, We recorded our uh, racial justice episode and I was a little tired and I did. I really want to apologize to my teacher, Davidia Turner. I mispronounced her name in the last episode as Davida Turner. It is Davidia Turner. um, And she is really lovely. Um, She teaches intuitive tarot and yoga, and she is a tarot reader. Um, So I would look up her services if you're interested in any of those. So, yeah. Great. Um, So today, you know, we've been talking about a lot of, um, you know, social and racial justice and how to improve the ideology and um, spiritual quality of our craft. But in the past, we've talked to you a lot about doing spellcraft and, you know, reading tarot and doing things at your altar. So today we kind of wanted to give you more information about that space um, and kind of how to create an altar and how to work with an altar, things like that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have an altar. I know Missa does not have a permanent altar herself, Um, but, you know, I feel like it is an important thing to talk about when I was first learning about paganism way back when I was, you know, 21, 20. um, I was told that creating an altar is one of the first things you should do if you're interested in paganism or witchcraft. So, um, yeah, we just kind of wanted to share more information about that. Yeah. Um, And again, like Katie was saying, I don't have a permanent altar. So we are going to be talking about different types of altars, different ways to have an altar in your space and also ways to have an altar um, maybe in a place that's not safe for you to have something out on display all the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So um, let's just start with what is an altar. So an altar is a focal point for your practice. Um, You can just have a single altar. Like right now I have a single altar. Um, There are also people who have 
larger altars or multiple altars. They'll have like, you know, an altar for ancestor work and then an altar for their um, main deity they work with. And then they'll have like just a general altar and then they'll have an altar for the season they're in or the holiday they're celebrating. And then they'll have a working altar, which is where they do all their spell work. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And I feel like it's a very personal practice, how you create your altar. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really, I, I see it as like a, a dedicated space for your magic and for your craft. So that can be just mm-hmm. a place, um, you know, to, to have offerings to the ancestors or to deities. And um, you know, you're just going and, and maybe paying respects or having, you know, a place to meditate. But mm-hmm. it, it can also be, like Katie was saying, that, that working altar. So something that's set up for you to just go and, and you have your spell, you know, your candles and things like that. You're ready to work. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the idea of, a, of an altar to me is almost like, um, again, I, I compare things a lot to Christianity, but like going into a church. So it's like the church within your home. Um, so it, it's a place mm-hmm. to kind of snap you into that, that spiritual mentality. Yes, exactly. And um, for me, it's kind of a, in my personal practice, it's just kind of like the focal point, the energetic focal point for my practice. Um, I try to burn candles there for at least half an hour every day, stuff like that. Um, Right now, I just have the one altar. So it's kind of a working altar and, you know, an ancestor altar and serving as a focal point for the deities I work with and all that fun stuff. And it could be really anywhere. Uh, you could put it just, you know, empty out a bookshelf in your bookcase and it could be on a bookshelf. It could be mine is on top of a short bookcase right now. Um, you can have a dedicated table or a part of a table. Um, you could put it in a cabinet. You could have it on the floor. Um, that's what I see for a lot of the um, group rituals I go to is it'll just be um, like a cloth on the floor with stuff on top of the cloth in the middle of the room and that's an altar and I think that's actually a pretty traditional altar format um, and that's also a temporary altar there's such a thing as permanent altars and then you could set up a temporary altar for a spell or a ritual that you're doing um, but I've also seen like people making them in matchboxes so you can bring them places um, Okay, so Lane from New World Witchery, she has a complicated relationship with her family and magic because her mom is pretty Christian. So, like, her husband knows that she's a witch and all that stuff, but I don't think her family outside of her immediate nuclear family know that she's a witch. Um, And because of that, she keeps her altar in her walk-in closet um, because... If you have that space, I've never had a walk-in closet myself. So it's just wherever you can find the space to fit it. And it can be really small. It could just be like, you know, a statue and a couple candles. Or it could be, you know, like it's really whatever you want. Or Missa, I don't know if you want to chime in, but I know that you kind of have a temporary altar space that you make whenever you do rituals. Yeah, so I have actually, um, it's one of those like bed and, like breakfast and bed tray, like table tray things um and I'll set that up just on the floor and then I'll I have like a crate behind the couch with like all of my altar items that I might need and so I'll just pull those out pop those on the altar um if I'm doing any kind of um you know like spell work or a a ritual for a a sabbat or a moon phase so I will set it up sometimes for tarot um 
you know, and, and then I'll just put things on the altar based on what I'm practicing. So like what I think I'll need on there, what candles, um, what statues, anything like that. Um, I do want to have a permanent altar. I have a space that I know I want it in right now. That space is being taken up by just kind of stuff. It's kind of a storage space right now. So I have to find a new space for that, all that kind of stuff. And then I, once I do that, I can, um, I can build my altar finally. Uh, it's been about a year almost of me wanting to put my, like wanting to set up an altar in that space. And I just haven't gotten, every time I clean out that space, something happens and it becomes a storage space again within like two weeks. So I, I think it would mm. be more beneficial for me to have a permanent altar because sometimes when I'm tired and I'm like, oh, I need to do a moon ritual, but I like don't want to set up an altar. Like I don't want to do all of this stuff. Um, and then I'll just be like, oh, okay, fine. I won't do it at all. So I think it would be nice for me mm. if I had that space so that I could just go step in and, and be there ready to go. Um, so that is mm-hmm. one of my goals um, for my craft for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's, first of all, there's no harm because life is complicated and also storage solutions can be expensive. So there's no harm in, you know, what's currently going on, but also, yeah, I mean, that's partially why I really like my altar space. Cause it's just this dedicated portion of my life that I can go to and, you know, drop in and connect with the divine and, um, it's also a good space just to hold things like it holds my offerings to my ancestors. It holds um, crystals that I work with. Um, it's so it kind of serves its own like witchy storage space kind of, but also it's really easy for me to just go there and light a candle every day and, you know, do my usual thing where I ring a bell to clear space and all that stuff. And it's not, um, it's not something I have to set up each day. Um That being said, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, altars don't have to be super complicated. Um, I, you could create like a pseudo altar even on your desk with like just some crystals or a tarot card or something. Or if you want to be surreptitious, figure out, you know, plant cuttings, like maybe you keep a flower on your desk. That's an offering to an ancestor or a deity and a couple crystals and your coworkers don't have to know why they're there. Um, I have also been spending a significant portion of time at my dad's recently. Like I've been living there on and off every few weeks just because of family stuff that's going on. Um, And I've made a mini altar there, but it has to be surreptitious just because there are other people that come and go in the house. So I kind of, I have a small raven statue for the morrigan that i have there i have a glass of water where it was actually really cool my dad told me i could take whatever glass i wanted and i found um an old glass of my grandfather's with his initials carved into the glass um and i've been using that as my ancestor offering vessel um and then just like a candle and that's really my altar and it could be that simple so yeah yeah i mean it's yeah. Um, and I, again, we talk kind of like in a, in a matchbox or, um, like an Altoid tin, something like that. Um, and that way you have, you can keep, take it with you wherever you go. Um, mm-hmm. if you, you know, you might need it if you're traveling for the weekend or something like that, or, and you, you know, you're going to need that space with you. Um, or again, like, like we said, if you have, um, maybe you're living at home with your parents and they don't, Uh, support your spirituality or maybe you're in a dorm room I mean no one's in a dorm room right now but 
you know, maybe we'll go back to living in dorm rooms someday. Um, and you, you need a, you want to have an altar, but you know, it's not appropriate to have it out all the time, but you don't want to have to constantly put it up and down. Um, a shoebox works really great for that kind of stuff. Just a few things in your shoebox mm -hmm. that you can, I mean, just lift the lid and then it's there. Or if you just have everything in the shoebox and you can take it all out um, and set it up on the floor or a desk or something and then put it away when you're done. Um, that's really great, mm -hmm. especially for those people that can't be open with their practice. We understand um, while witchcraft is, you know, gaining more popularity, it's not safe for everyone to practice out in the open. So there are definitely options for you mm -hmm. to have an altar, to have that space for your, your craft and your practice without putting yourself um, in, in any kind of danger, not even necessarily physical danger, but mm. um, without damaging your practice, because it's hard to mm -hmm. have a practice when you're constantly degrading you for it. Yes, exactly. And yeah, it is also not entirely safe. Um, some, sometimes, I mean, hopefully, if you live in a home, you feel safe where you are, but you may not feel safe to share your uh, your witchcraft practice yet. So figuring out a surreptitious, surreptitious way to do it. And I mean, it could it could be super duper simple. And the truth with altars is, you know, as with all witchcraft, it's really whatever resonates with you and whatever allows you to connect with um, the divine. So if, I mean, I did do a small trip to visit my sister and I brought like um, my practice includes having a tarot card for the moon cycle and a tarot card for the week so I brought a tiny altar that was just those two tarot cards and then um a small tea light candle um and a tea light candle holder and then um I'm I'm sorry I am obnoxious because I've been working with the Morgan really intense and I have like five different things that can symbolize her um but I have this red rose pin that's a symbol of her so I brought that and that was my symbol of the Morrigan. Um, and uh, just a couple other crystals because I'm uh, uh, obnoxious and I bring crystals everywhere. Um, but yeah, that was that it, an altar can be that simple. And that's like that space took up like a, you know, four inch by five inch space. So even if you don't have a lot of space, um, you might not be able to have a gigantic altar, but you could have something small like that. So. Yeah. And I mean, you can start small, you know, you can start with a book, start with, um, you know, maybe a little corner of your desk. Um, and then it, it can always, it's always space to grow and you might end up with, you mm -hmm. might start with one altar. So you might start with, you know, just an altar for your ancestors or just an altar for, you know, deities or spell work, something like that. And then over time you create additional altars or you have one fixed altar um, that's for a part of mm -hmm. your practice. And then another, even like section of the altar that's constantly changing. So for our mm -hmm. practice, at least altars are very fluid. Um, mm -hmm. They're, are some like the traditional Wiccan altar that has a specific structure to it. Um, so if yeah. it, it's not necessarily yeah. a, a bad option and it, it's, it's not something that we do, but it's a good place to start if you kind of don't know what to have on the altar. Um, so we'll, we've done a little bit of research. Yeah. Neither of us are Wiccan, but we did look into what mm -hmm. goes on to a traditional Wiccan altar as a place for you all to start. Yes. And I also wanted to talk about it because it's referenced a lot. Like a lot of people see a Wiccan altar and that is the how they just do their altar forever. So um, let's start there. So um, I have a diagram that I got from a Witch 101 course that I took like 
a couple of years ago. So I'm just going to read off of that diagram that had been given to me by that teacher. Um, so in this diagram I have uh, in the center is a pentacle and then around that facing um, east for air, south for fire, west for water, north for earth. Um, they have on this diagram a feather to represent air, a candle to represent fire, a water bowl to represent water, and then a bowl of salt to represent the north. Um, and then around that, uh, there are other things. So generally on the left side, uh, it represents the, fe the feminine re receptivity and the intuitive. Um, on the right side, it represents the masculine and active. So like uh, at the back of the altar, there will be two candles just for the altar. And then on the left-hand side will be the goddess statue. And then on the right will be the god statue. Um, and then also on the left side of the altar is a cauldron and a chalice because those are both, um, you know, they supposedly represent the womb. So they represent femininity um, according to cisgendered ideas of what a woman is. And then on the right hand side is incense and an athame. So, so yeah. very interesting. Uh, when I was researching it, I saw it the other way. So the left side would be the masculine side and the right side would be the feminine side. And I was like, every diagram that I saw online. Um, <clears throat> so again, neither of us are practicing Wiccans. Um, there, I don't have, I usually bring my tablet in with me to look stuff up um, while we're recording, but today I forgot to grab it. Um, but yeah, so again, this, this idea of, you know, like a masculine side of the altar, inside of the altar so that's one way as, as having the pentacle in the middle and then um the symbols directionally around it so north south east and west and the other way that i've seen it mm -hmm. is to have everything so um you know all of your your fire and air symbols on the masculine side your water and earth symbols on the the feminine side um but that's so again we like you were saying katie feminine symbols quote unquote are going to be like your cauldron and your bell a bowl of salt uh, for the earth, a bowl of water or a chalice for, for water. So, and then again, you know, same sort of thing on the masculine side, those, those tools, athame, wand, incense on the masculine side. So that's an, and statue of goddess and God on those sides too. If, if that's what you practice again, traditionally, mm -hmm. I believe in Wicca um, there's, you know, one God, one goddess, like we talked about a few episodes ago, if that's not in your practice, that's fine. You don't have to have an altar that way. Um, we just wanted to offer that information so that it kind of gives you a, a jumping mm -hmm. off point as to what to put on your altar. Again, we like tarot cards and crystals on mm -hmm. our altars. That's not necessarily on a traditional Wiccan altar. Um, so there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of other options for you. Yeah. And also like, I think it's problematic that there is a masculine and feminine side because gender is a culturally created concept. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah. So I personally don't work with that. Um, you also don't necessarily, I know a lot of witches where they just have one of one item to represent um, the four elements. Um, so it could be a feather or incense or you could for water, you could do a seashell um, candles, pretty traditionally a representation of fire, but you could also use a more fire associated crystal like carnelian or citrine. Um, and then for earth, um, you know, crystals are rocks. I think it's silly if, 
or you could have a plant represent the earth um, or like a flower in a, in a vase, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't really use this format at all personally, but it is, it's referenced really heavily. So that's mainly why I wanted yeah, to Yeah, and again, just to, to give you all ideas of, of what might be on your altar. Um, so we talked a lot about like, we had a, a whole episode about tools um, that you might be using in your craft. So those are tools for your altar. So if you wanted to get an idea of what kinds of things to put on there, that would be a, a good episode for you to go back and listen to as well if you haven't already. Um, and just mm -hmm. to, to help you figure out and it doesn't have to start with all that. I mean, you, your altar could start with one candle or one crystal. It, it could literally just be one mm -hmm. thing. Um, it could be something you keep in your pocket and pull out when you need that a moment of uh, connection with spirit or connection with the divine. So there's a lot of options there. Mm -hmm. And it just it's it's your space. So make it however feels spiritually appropriate for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, I did want to mention there are other altar formats. Um, the only Western traditional one I could find was Catholic um, and generally Christian altars. And um, there might be, I mean, if you're a Christian witch, that would be a great starting off point for you. Um, also, one thing that I have been tapping into is the fact that my ancestors were Christians generally. Um, so you know, there are some Christian associated things you could do with your ancestor practice if you want. Um, so that might be a good jumping off point from there. There are other altar formats. Um, most of these are the formats of people of color. Um, so if you are a person of color or are already practicing one of these traditions, um, you know, this could be a great jumping off point for you to create your own altar. However, if you are a white witch, I would encourage you to be invited into these traditions before looking more into them. So um, there are traditional Buddhist, Hindu, Taoist, and Confucianism altars. Um, Confucianism also works a lot with ancestral practices and they have ancestral altars if that is a tradition that you're working with um and oh and there's also day of the dead day of the dead altars are very um are very prominent and have a really strong tradition if you're mexican um so yeah so there are a lot of other traditional altar formats that you can look into other yeah. than wiccan if you want to um, and yeah. speaking, so not necessarily a, a Day of the Dead altar, but we've mentioned ancestral altars a few times. And your ancestral altar might look a little bit different than uh, a traditional, like a working altar, a spell work altar type of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times what people choose to put on there are, like you had mentioned, Katie, you ha had that glass with your grandfather's initials. So you might put something on there that represents um, an ancestor or, or many ancestors. So if you have specific ancestors you're working with, say you had a grandma that really liked white wine with ice, you might be putting white wine with ice on that altar, you know, every night or something like that, or, or when you need to connect with that person. So altars are also a great place for offerings. Um, so you might put pictures of your ancestors on there or other symbols, uh, depending on your heritage, for instance, say your family comes from Germany or, you know, your so both of my great grand or both of my grandmothers were daughters of German immigrants. So if I had a, 
an ancestral altar with them, I might include say not something like a German flag or, or something traditionally German. Um, and the same kind of thing with deities as well. You might put out offerings if there's a deity that you work with and you know that they like a certain thing, um, a certain flower or a food, you might put out that alt that on your altar for them as well. So altars are a good place for offerings, for ancestors, deities, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I do want to mention this because this is something I have always been frustrated by is what do you do with your offerings when you're done with them? Um, and I tend to just leave them out in nature when I'm done with them. Um, again, offerings aren't, you know, you're not putting out an entire plate of food. Usually um, there are some traditions where you do put out an extra plate of food around Samhain or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just put whatever offerings, um, like if it's liquid, I just pour it into the, the earth or I leave it out in nature if it's food, that kind of thing. Um, so that's how you should dispose of your offerings once um you don't, you no longer want them on your altar. Yeah, great. Um, and just, I mean, if you're doing that, if you're putting food out in nature, just be mindful of, you know, do you have a lot of stray animals in the neighborhood or things like that? Is it going to cause problems? Um, are you feeding some, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with feeding animals, but we have to remember that if we provide them with too much food, you know, strays and, and wild animals, things like that, if we become their food resource, then mm -hmm. if we stop doing it, if we move, they lose access to some of the food that they're used to. So be mindful of that as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, so the next we're gonna dive into how to make an altar. And really um, the thing I would say is just intuitively connect with what's gonna work with you and create a space that is intentional and deeply resonates with you and your spirit. So it's a space that you can come to and you just instantly click in with the divine, how you want to click in with it. Um, so for me, the way I do that is I have all these things that can go on my altar and I worked as a florist and as a I basically helped decorate weddings growing up because my mother was a florist and you can't, uh, there's no child labor laws for family businesses. So I have a lot of experience in decoration and making things look aesthetically very pleasing to me. So that's basically what I do with my altar is I take all of the materials I have available to me to make an altar. And then I just, um, arrange them and like maybe I'll include some things or take them off or I'll I just arrange it in a way that really um is aesthetically pleasing for me it connects spiritually for me and it just um you know it makes me happy and it is it it's what I want it to be so um and that's really all you need to do. I think uh, Gabriela Hersteck in her first book um craft or um, how to be a way I keep doing this wrong. What's the uh, inner version? witch is the American version inner witch. Yes. Yes. Craft or inner witch. Um, she does have a practice in there for creating an altar. So if you want a quick way to look at your altar um, or some more steps, cause she does give some, she does give some steps that you should do. Like you always want to clean down your altar. I usually try to clean it down with some floral water or, 
um, moon water, something special on something that has a spiritual connection, but you want to clean the space. And then basically her same instructions are what I just told you to do is just intuitively create a space that really resonates for you and makes you happy and um, is something that you want to connect with every day. I would recommend uh, cleansing an altar. Like, so Katie, you had mentioned cleaning it with, you know, like um, floral, like a rose water, moon water, Florida water. Mm -hmm. Um, But also to do like a a cleansing, just like you would with any other type of tool or or sacred space, Um, whether you're going to do cleansing, Katie, I think you'd mentioned that you like ring a bell. Um, You can. Mm -hmm. And then I would also recommend maybe dedicating the altar um, you know, when you were first set it up or rededicating it later. So calling the corners, your deities, ancestors, things like that, and really dedicating it as a sacred space. I think that has a lot of power to charge it with. So, so to cleanse it of any other like energy that you don't want in that sacred space, and then to charge it with the energy that you do want. I think that's a really important step mm-hmm. in creating an altar. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, I've done this quite a few times cause like, I, yeah, my life has been complicated and I've moved quite a few times since I started my witchcraft practice or got serious about my witchcraft practice and made a dedicated altar, um, two or three years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just whatever space you have, you just have to work with what is available to you right now. And maybe I should take a picture of my altar um, and we can post it on Instagram, but right now, um, cause I have a bit of a smaller space. I have a bunch of crystals. I have tarot cards. I have all of my tools on my altar. I also don't have a bunch of space for all of my deities to have large statues on my altar right now. Like I do have some larger statues of like Gaia and Artemis, but they are, um, currently in storage However, weirdly, I, um, because Missa got me a Scotty statue for my birthday, I felt called to, fa- to buy some larger statues for some other goddesses. So now I have a, some larger statues in addition to Scotty. So there's like these big statues in the back and then smaller representations of gods and goddesses. Like I have Mercury dimes for Mercury. I have a pin with a bunny and flowers representing Ostara or Estre. I have a um, key for Hecate. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just what you want to do. Um, I think my favorite example of an altar that I pulled out was last Samhain. I was having to move in about a month and I had already started packing up, but I had really wanted to do an ancestral altar for Samhain. So I kind of went through what was already available for me and I started finding, you know, postcards and a few little things. And then I remembered, you know, some flowers and some foods that my ancestors liked. And I just, you know, with the small resources that were available to me, I was able to pull off this really wonderful ancestral altar. Um, And it was actually really moving. So I had a very moving Samhain that year. I did a really good ancestral meditation where I was able to drop in and communicate pretty effectively with a bunch of my ancestors. And it was this very lovely experience. Um, But yeah, it's kind of just, you have to figure out how your own brain works and what makes you happy. Um, The first altar I ever made was when I was 20 or 21 and living with you, Missa. And remember, I tried to turn that one bookshelf into an altar and 
Um, I don't think it really resonated with me the way I made it because I was kind of just doing what other Mm -hmm. people had told me how to do and was not really doing what made me happy. Um, And I think, I mean, if I had actually made an altar that really kicked ass, I might have, you know, connected with witchcraft more and kicked off my witchcraft practice a lot sooner. But because I was just kind of like meh about the altar, I didn't really move forward with that. So Um, one thing I I did want to bring up, Katie, you had mentioned maybe posting a picture of of your altar on um, on our Instagram, um, there is some dis- uh, discussion in the witchcraft community about whether or not altars should be shared publicly. And I think the general consensus is mm-hmm. it depends on the altar. And there are some people that, that their altars are kind of always on display. You know, they're always posting pictures of it. Um, but they might have an alt, you know, that's a shared altar. And then they might have a private altar that they never share with anyone. That's just for them. It never goes on social media. Um, and mm. I mean, there are public altars too. So like, for instance, at ritual craft, um, where Katie lives, there's, they have a, I think it's, is a Hecate altar. Yeah, it's a Hecate altar, but it's just a general altar. Cause people go there and they'll leave offerings. Yeah. So it's really common for people to like leave money on the altar. They also have a Santa Muerte altar that's in the back corner of their library. Um, and I'll connect back to that in a minute, but they have, um, you know, a lot of people, they'll buy Florida water and they'll leave that as on the altar as an offering, or they'll come and they'll leave money or they'll leave photos of loved ones, or they'll buy candles and leave them on the altar as an offering. So, um, yeah, there's, and you know, there's also, you know, roadside altars that you can see sometimes. Um, but also like, it's a little frustrating to have, um, it is a little frustrating to have public altars because, like I said, people do leave money on these altars. Um, they have a larger Santa Muerte altar that a lot of people had left money and offerings on. And I remember a few months back, someone, because um, it was in the back corner of the library and kind of in this hidden corner where, um, you know, the, you can't really see it from the cash register. Um, someone went in there and they stole all of the money off the Santa Muerte altar. Um, and they said that they thought they knew who it was and that person would not be welcome back in the store again but yeah it's yeah, just well, I, know. I mean oh go ahead they yeah well they do a really good job each um I think each month they take the money off of all their altars and they donate it and they post receipts of donation um so yeah I mean it, that's like money to go back to the community that someone yeah. just stole um so, but again yeah like I was saying with um taking photos so there's some belief that because spell work and spellcraft is so intentional um, that if you have a, a working altar, some, you know, a spell on an altar that's currently in process. So maybe it's, um, you know, like a, a seven day spell or, or something like that, that posting that picture and letting other people see it means that other people can project their intentions on it. So there is some discussion about not posting mm-hmm. pictures of those kinds of altars. Um, so there's just there yes. and it's up to you, you know, if you are, if you have an aesthetically pleasing altar and you want to share it with people, that's fine. You can do that. Um, but also know that the altars that you're seeing on Instagram aren't necessarily what all witches altars look like all the time. Like they're covered in like incense ash and the candles are halfway melted down and there's probably burn marks on something it's not always perfect and pretty and aesthetically pleasing 
So if you, if you see all these altars and you're like, mm -hmm. I just want my altar to be beautiful like that, that the point of it isn't necessarily to be beautiful. If you work with a, you know, a God or goddess of beauty, that that's fine. If you need it to be aesthetically pleasing, but if it doesn't look like what you see on, on Instagram or on Pinterest. That's okay. Um, you don't have to have a, a social media worthy altar in order for it to be a working altar for your spirituality. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I mean, maybe I should post a picture. I'm, I'm debating because it, I, after I said that my altar is very personal to me and it would be like, you know, taking a portion of my soul and posting it on social media, which I don't really like doing. Um, but I, I mean, it's like my altar isn't, mm -mm, no, go ahead. So my altar is, you know, it's messy. It's not organized. It's not like super duper aesthetically pleasing, but it makes me happy. And that's the point of an altar is that it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, something that you can post on Instagram and get 500 likes. It just has to be something that makes you yeah, really happy. And yeah. So I think the last thing I wanted to talk about was just um, some ideas for, to help you create your own altar. So, you know, I would encourage you to use what you have, go around your home. And if you have a rock that you think is really cool, if you have a statue that you've always thought was cool, like when I decided to create my first, you know, grown up altar, I'd had this Gaia statue and this Artemis statue forever. And, you know, immediately I was like, oh yes, I'm going to put them on my altar. Um, so yeah, use what you have, look around. I mean, you don't have to go out and spend a bunch of money for a statue of, Demeter or whatever I mean that is something you can do later but for creating your first altar just look around and see what you have maybe a better thing for Demeter would be go out and get a stalk of grass with the tassels still on it because that's a symbol of her or um yeah that use what you have um and then that leads me into my second point which is gather things from nature of course whenever you gather things from nature you do always want to ask before you take it and you know you do that by you know, asking and then dropping in and seeing like, am I getting a yes on this or am I getting a no on this? And um, then you can, uh, you know, make a decision about whether or not the plant's happy to take some of it. Um, however, you never want to take too much. Like you don't want to take all of the plant. You want to take like a third of it or a quarter of it max um, if you're harvesting from nature. Um, and, but the same also goes for rocks or like a tree branch or something. You always want to ask and be appreciative for what you're receiving. Um, yeah, so did you want to uh, chime again, in? Again, like or? you were saying, ask and, and be appreciative. So anytime you're taking something, um, you know, thank nature, thank whatever, it, just depending on what's in your practice. So if you, if you're more of a nature worshiping, witch, then you want to thank nature. But if you're taking something from nature that's in honor of a specific deity you would want to thank nature. And then also, um, you know, thank that deity for presenting that to you because, you know, you might've stumbled upon it because that specific deity wanted you to find it there. Um, and then never, you know, if you need a branch, a tree branch or something um, or, or leaves, anything like that, try to take things that have already fallen off of a tree. Um, don't go, let's not be out there snapping branches just for spell work. Um, I was recently cleaning up my backyard. And so I was like pruning the trees back a lot. And I was just like, the witch in me is telling me to stop, but like the, the, the landscaper in me needs these trees cut back. So I don't live in a forest. Um, so yeah, just, just be mindful of what you're taking from nature. 
Um, and like you were saying, Katie, the, your altar doesn't need to be a capitalist altar. So we don't need to spend a lot of money on things and, you know, give money to all these corporations in order to have um, that spiritual place for ourselves. So just, just keep that in mind when you're choosing mm-hmm. things to put on your altar as well. Um, try to use things that you already have mm-hmm. and get more things over time. Try to get them from small businesses, try to get them from, um, you know, black and personal color owned businesses. And, you know, Etsy is a great resource. It's not the necessarily the best, but it's certainly better than places like Amazon or, or Walmart. Um, but just try to remember that what you're putting on your altar also has a, a spiritual connection, like where you're getting it from. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, yeah, exactly. And a few other ideas um, only use one color. I think Gabriella Herstick talks about, you know, you could create an altar that's only white. So you put on a white altar cloth, you only put on white crystals. Um, so it's only white or you could do only red or only green or you could just use one color if that's what you want. Um, you could put plants on it, like living plants, potted plants. Um, you can charge things on it. That's actually a suggestion for charging crystals or like charging um, something with your intentions. I actually finally bought myself a pentacle necklace and right now it is charging on my altar. That's one example. Um, it's a place to leave offerings, which we've gone over a lot. I I also want to talk, um, we mentioned briefly, I think at the beginning about like a seasonal altar. So you might set up an altar for a Sabbath, um, Mm -hmm. and, and leave it there for, you know, Mm -hmm. the remainder of that season. You might have, um, that kind of a, you know, you put a summer solstice uh, altar up and you have that throughout the summer. Um, or even, it doesn't have to be a Sabbath. It could just be, you know, Mm -hmm. on the, yes, it would be this, the summer solstice, but it would be your, your summer, your seasonal altar, Again, I I live in a farming community. The seasons here are extremely important. And so I feel very tied to the changing of the seasons. Um, So that might be a a good idea for you as well. If you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to be changing it all the time, but you don't want it necessarily fixed, you know, you have a a fall altar. You might incorporate some snow and things on that fall altar, um, a winter altar, you know, that you might then incorporate Yule um, and, and just... A, a seasonal altar would be a really good way to go as well to kind of change things up a lot. Um, and that might be very aesthetically pleasing. Again, if you are an aesthetics person, it also might be a way to have an altar out, you know, in a, an open space um, without necessarily your guests or, or visitors realizing that it's a, a, a witch altar um, is if you have a seasonal altar, that's just, you know, you're just decorating your house for the season kind of a thing. I think a lot of our, I think a lot of us have seen things like this in people's homes that weren't set up as witchcraft altars, but could certainly be used for one, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a really great point. I mean, if they could just think that you're the weirdo who celebrates each season really eccentrically and like overly decorates your house, but they don't know that you're a witch. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really whatever you want to do um the other thing with seasonal altars is they don't necessarily have to be permanent like you don't have to dedicate you know an entire table in your home just to the season celebration it could just be up for the few days that you're celebrating you know letha or lumnasa or something and um then you can take them down once you're done celebrating so those don't necessarily need to be permanent altars but um 
yeah, I mean, they could be a lot of fun and they could be a great yeah, way to and connect with the wheel of the year. Temporary altars might lead to permanent altars as well. So you might notice that every time you set up an altar for a, a Sabbath or a moon phase that you incorporate the same five or six things and then you go, okay, well, maybe I'll leave those five or, th- five or six things out all the time. Five or six might be a lot, maybe one or two. Maybe I'll leave those one or two things out all the time. And then that in turn grows into a permanent altar. So, you know, just, just play around with it start with something fixed just start with something temporary start with something seasonal start however feels right to you there's no wrong way um to to do this as long as you're um doing it for yourself not being appropriative things like that um really just make it a spiritual place for yourself Mm -hmm. yes exactly but yeah i think that's about all i had to say about altars and I think I just want to reiterate, you know, it's really whatever you want it to be. I mean, I hope we give you some good ideas and a good jumping off point. But, you know, a good altar is can, you know, really accelerate and allow you to tap into your practice better. So, yeah, I hope that this helped everybody to learn more about altars and maybe give you some yeah, ideas about if, what if you can do. If you have do. any other ideas um, about subjects that we want us to talk about, we still have some ideas on the back burner. We've heard from a few of you already um, and are, are doing some research into other subjects. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Katie, do you want to let them know how they can find us? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at babywitchpod. Yeah, just everybody take care of yourselves. I think that, I mean, supposedly this year is just going to kind of be as stressful as it has been, but definitely the next few weeks are going to be super stressful because of the retrograde and the fact that we're in uh eclipse season for a solid month so everybody just be kind to yourself and take care of yourself we will talk to you in two weeks on the next magical monday bye